0: I'm Sienna. I'm the kid. I'm Sarah. I'm the mom. This is Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk.
1: Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Today, we are talking about queer characters in Marvel, the differences between the comics and what we've seen on screen and the general opinion in the queer community of whether Marvel is doing justice to those characters or perhaps they could do better.
0: Spoiler, it's like, it's just, it's my opinion. It's, I I have opinions and that's what you're getting.
1: Yes, it will be Sienna's opinion (laughs) from the reading I have done. I have a hunch it's going to be pretty reflective of the broader consensus out there. I am the queer community. <laughs> I had no idea how much discourse there is out there about queerness and Marvel stories and how it's being portrayed or not portrayed in the movies, but there's a lot. And I just barely scratched the surface. So I am going to be trusting Sienna to bring a lot of detail on this topic to you, but I did like this, thought this set it up well in Newsweek. There was an article and it said, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness actually breaks the record for the most lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and or queer characters in an MCU property with three. However, seeing as two of them do not talk and one never mentions their sexuality out loud. And they're all part of the same family. We'll add that in. And they're all part of the same family. Clearly, there is still some work to be done when it comes to LGBTQ plus representation. I'm not familiar at all with the comics, so all I know is what has been basically to this point vaguely suggested on screen, which is Loki and the Valkyrie both being bisexual. Are there any characters we'll start with that viewers would know of from just familiarity with on-screen Marvel characters that are? portrayed as straight or never it's never really addressed on screen but they're queer in the comics.
0: Um I mean so one example actually do have to say that there have been you're you're a little bit behind on your Marvel knowledge. So in Eternals which was not the world's most memorable film admittedly but in Eternals there is a gay character. There's the one random gay dude in Endgame who talks for two seconds at the support group meeting. At the support group meeting. I did read about that evil attempt to represent. Technically, I think it was also mentioned in that awkward little sequence in Loki that Loki's female alternate dimension self, who he's also in love with, because that is so much more normal than just giving him a male love interest, she is also bisexual. Thor's rock man friend. Yes, I do remember the rock man friend. Played by Taika Waititi. Okay, now I think I have gone through all of (laughs) the... Now you've exhausted the on-screen
1: representation.
0: (laughs) We got a rock man friend and we got a random sad guy at a support group. Okay. All right. Okay, so, but then, yeah, As far as the comics getting translated into film go, the most obvious example that comes to mind is what you just said. America Chavez, who shows up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is such a cool, badass character in the comics. Like, she's awesome. And, yeah, she, I think, wears a rainbow pin in Multiverse of Madness. She wears a pin and gets hunted by interdimensional space creatures and doesn't really do anything other than that. And actually, I I saw the movie before I saw her representation in the comics, and I was like, wait a minute. I've been Um, robbed. I I have been robbed. Okay, so tangentially Multiverse of Madness, and then also, more importantly, um, WandaVision. You know, Wanda and Vision had two sons and I think they might actually both be queer. I could be remembering incorrectly or misinterpreting the comics, but I think they might both be queer. But one of them in particular is, yeah, he is like actually grows up in the comics and he goes by the Wiccan and actually plays, it plays this huge, massive role. He's got a boyfriend and... They're sort of like the stars of the Young Avengers comics. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about that later. That's one of the ones I read in preparation for this. But yeah, their relationship plays a pretty significant role through a couple of different series events of Marvel comics, which, yeah, I mean, as yet we have not seen anything from the Young Avengers except for Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series and America Chavez, as I just talked about. So there's that. I'm trying to remember where WandaVision ended, but the kids weren't old enough in the show
1: to get into that, were they?
0: No, they just just out of away.
1: Okay. It wasn't something that maybe would have come up and they just ignored it. They were still a little young or...
0: But, I mean, it's also a choice. And I have... Major thoughts about the way that Wanda's story arc was handled, like through WandaVision was was solid, but then like the way it was handled through Multiverse of Madness and that sort of transition, I didn't like at all. And I think that whole thing could have been, been done very differently. Actually, here's another example of actual queer representation. It's kind of weird because it's Marvel Runaways, which was a show that I think was produced by Hulu, maybe, and I don't know how it fits into the MCU because I don't think it's really ever been brought up in any different context. It's sort of its own separate thing. But in both the comics and the show, a relationship between two of the female characters plays a you know fairly substantial role. The thing is, like, there is a lot of queerness in the comics, and so I'm even having a tough time putting everything together just off the top of my head. Because was that did that character get adapted? Are they in anything? Do they make like short appearances? Like, how does this all go together? But But yeah, long story short, there are quite a lot of queer characters in the comics that sort of get shorted in the movies. I feel like
1: I encountered a lot of chatter about whether anybody in the, I guess, in the vicinity of Captain America should have some kind of relationship with somebody else in the vicinity of Captain America. There was like, a strange fixation on that. Is there anything in the comics where anybody in Captain America's circle is gay? Or is this just um, like something people would really, really, really like to imagine?
0: Well, I think it probably in large part got set off by the way Steve and Bucky's relationship got portrayed in the Avengers movies and the Captain America movies. I think A lot of people, not unreasonably, interpreted it as feeling very queer and feeling a bit as though a lot of the female love interests were just sort of shoved in for the sake of having a female love interest to prove how not gay it is. So my guess is that's sort of where that started. And then, you know, once you're once you're in the headspace of, okay, well, I want this to be gay and apparently no one's gonna make it gay, but This other thing in the vicinity could be gay. And that would be where maybe Sam and Bucky came from. I I don't know. I personally think that would have made the entire series much more interesting. But yeah, I mean, probably that probably was the sort of... Well, I think there's a feeling that if we were to play out how a sort of canon queer Bucky might work, there's all of this drama happening in his relationship with with Steve and all of the stuff with Hydra and oh, you killed Tony's parents, and so now they're fighting and uh he's you know willing to sacrifice his life to defend you and all but the notion of Bucky perhaps having been in unrequited love with Steve, seeing that, oh, there's now a Falcon in the Winter Soldier movie, or sorry, show where Sam has taken up like the sort of role of Captain America. You know, could this maybe be a new chance for Bucky, a chance at sort of finding a similar relationship, but with someone who could also love him back in a romantic way. And I think just a general feeling of like, if, if for that sort of imagined storyline to play out in a way that feels true to the queerness that viewers have interpreted. So the consensus
1: seems to be that Marvel is perhaps not doing as good a job in representation as they've expressed an interest in doing because they're unlikely to put gay storylines in these big budget films because they need a global market and they don't want non-Western countries to refuse to show these movies that maybe they have kept mentions very brief. Or scenes very vague or quick so they're easier to cut out if those countries want them to cut them out? Is that online with your information that you've
0: seen? Yeah, and I mean, that's certainly how I would interpret it. I have consistently been so frustrated with the way that it's like a Lincoln, you'll miss it. My boyfriend! Or a, you know, like in Loki, the brief conversation that the two characters, Loki and Sylvie, had about being queer was like this unnecessarily obscure like oh there must have been plenty of would-be princesses interested in meeting you and princes perhaps and yes and a share of both you too I imagine and then that's it and that's that's the queerness that you get in the entire show and it's just so weird and convoluted and like okay we checked the bisexual box next so do you feel that that's that
1: kind of, like, we can just leave that conversation out if anybody's offended and doesn't want to show this.
0: Yeah, you can cut that part of the conversation. You can cut a scene or you can just adjust it in translation so that it right. It's it's sort of set up to be adjusted in translation in such a way oh. that, like, no one's going to have any idea that they're talking about queerness. Got it.
1: So that same Newsweek article that I quoted earlier said, this seems unlikely to change anytime soon when these films cost $200 million a piece. Disney can hardly afford to alienate any market. What are your thoughts on that? If it's not financially viable, do you think there's truth to that? Do you think that's an unfounded fear? Do you think they should do it anyway and risk going bankrupt? What's the solution to this?
0: I mean, okay, so first of all, Disney is doing loads of things that are not financially viable. Like, s- streaming as a thing is not financially viable. And they had no problem jumping on that bandwagon. So, you know, I sort of think that, okay, I mean, you know, whatever. If you prefer that your movies get a global audience and that if they're not getting banned in countries like China, then that is your choice as a company but like that really tells your audience oh so when you say happy pride everyone is equal love is love you don't actually mean it that you only mean it to the point that it's not going to potentially hurt your profit in any way do you think they had a choice in getting into the streaming
1: market just play devil's advocate here like that seems like if you're if everybody else is doing it and you're not that's not a winning solution either.
0: You know, it is sort of a really complicated thing and I'm not like the most qualified to talk about it, I think, but it's it's a really complicated market analysis and like what are viewers looking for in tv you know it's just reading an interesting segment of an article from the bulwark that's basically like okay so people spent all this time complaining about cable because oh i only watch like three channels and i have to pay for all of them but okay so now now you're buying every single streaming service it costs probably more than cable at this point and the quality of shows is going down Because there's not any clear feedback mechanism. It's basically operating in a black box. So, like, unless it's some major hit like Stranger Things, where you know that people are obsessing over it and you can like sell the rights to theme park stuff and you can, you know, you know, that people are coming to the streaming service for it. Outside of like isolated cases like that, you have no idea what's doing well and what's not doing well. Like you have internal metrics, but there's no transparency there. And it basically just screws up the entire entertainment market. So long story short, like I think maybe once the dominoes started to fall, I don't know how much of a choice they had, but I don't know that it's doing them any good either. I don't know that they're necessarily better off.
1: So the takeaway from all of that might be that all of these entertainment companies are, I mean, obviously, CEOs are the, we're seeing all of this in the the strike. There are CEOs making tons and tons of money and there are actors and writers and, you know, a lot of other behind the scenes people who are getting like very, very little, Mm -hmm. but... Even though executives are making all this money, it just feels to me that all of these entertainment companies have a sense of being in a really tenuous position right now because and maybe like you said, like you don't really know you're not getting the right feedback. you have no idea when you're pouring money into something if it's gonna turn out well for you or not. So if everything's feeling that way, I'm just trying to be, I guess trying to <laughs> trying to be generous. If everything feels that way, like does that? Do you think that makes it feel harder to, like, go out on a limb? Although we see other streaming services putting out gay content. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think some of the most popular shows in the last year or two have been queer. So, I mean, think about how even, you know, Ted Lasso went all in on queerness in the third season. You know, there's certainly critiques that you can make of the third season itself, but obviously they weren't concerned about it in that sense. Yellow Jackets has been incredibly popular and well-reviewed, also has a pretty prominent queer storyline. Same with The Last of Us, had an entire, like a whole queer episode, you know, centering around two men's relationship. And then also one of the main characters is queer and is played by a non-binary actor. Our flag means death, you know, was extremely popular. Heartstopper, another really popular one. So if they are worried about going out on a limb, I feel like maybe they're not listening to what the actual consumers of TV are saying, you know? Is Disney in a unique situation because they've been associated with kids programming for so long? I mean, maybe, but maybe that also makes it their responsibility to show, hey, we can make kids programming that is completely child appropriate and family friendly and they have a really culturally powerful position and instead of panicking about you know what moms for liberty is saying about them they should be using that position to actually make meaningful social change and what we've seen again with all of these shows that have been so popular is that like there's a really overwhelmingly positive response. Yeah. Maybe not
1: providing the stories and the programming that people want to see is ultimately riskier than showing those because you risk not being culturally relevant or making your audience feel like they're important.
0: Right. And I mean, I think that's what we're seeing right now is that people are, first of all, I think there are all sorts of creative issues going on with Disney as a whole. And, you know, I could go off on a tangent on that. That should be my catchphrase on these podcasts. <laughs> like, in general, I think people are also getting really fed up with all of this, like, obscure, complicated, short, like making a big deal out of there's going to be a gay character and then it's like this, you know, throwaway line that doesn't even make any sense and has no relevance to the overall story, like people don't want to watch that. You're not making the queer community feel included or impressed by your work right now. And so ultimately, now all you're doing is you're you're still making moms against liberty throw tantrums, but you're also alienating the queer viewers.
1: Yeah, now you've made everybody mad.
0: So when we did that
1: episode on queer baiting, this, you would say, is a good example. This is what Disney is doing or Marvel is doing when they say, oh, yeah, there's going to be a queer storyline in this one or there's going to be a queer character. And then it gets like a passing mention.
0: Yeah, I would say that's pretty classic. It's maybe a step above, you know, what something like Supernatural does where they like, no, actually, I would say it's probably pretty similar kind of. Right where you're like drawing something out and drawing something out and like, ha ha ha, never mind, it's straight. And so now we're maybe a step above that where it's, yeah, it's gay, but don't don't get any big ideas about it because it's not actually important.
1: It's not going to be part of the storyline. I even saw something about Loki where I don't remember who involved with the show actually said this, but basically Okay. And now we covered, like we checked that box. It's not really going to be part of the storyline.
0: Yeah. It's so frustrating because I think, you know, Loki as a character has consistently also been associated like with queerness and with gender fluidity. Fun fact, Loki, the Norse god gave birth to a magical horse. So (laughs) that sounds horrible. Anyway. So, you know, and there is some work out there that does sort of acknowledge that you know some some spin-off books and some of the comics but yeah and so i think people really resonated with loki as this kind of interesting morally gray queer coded character who i think people found really compelling through a lot of the mcu work and then having that aspect of his character treated so flippantly i think uh, for me at least i can't speak for other people but for me at least it was really like kind of disappointing and frustrating and to be honest kind of ruined the show for me
1: yeah i guess my only thought on that would be that to me it really has nothing to do with the queerness like loki to me i love the character like always makes the scene more entertaining but it's hard for me to imagine that there could ever be a really satisfying love interest storyline with Loki because Loki kind of def- by definition has to like sabotage everything, right?
0: So actually, when I was referencing some spin-off books um, the author Mackenzie Lee who has written a lot of queer queer novels, um, young adult novels, she was hired to do a series of basically young adult books about Marvel anti-heroes. And the first one was Loki. And, you know, like, so I read it and it wasn't like my absolute favorite thing in the world. But I did think it was very interesting because it explored his sort of romantic life and romantic relationships and his queerness. But also, like, yeah, he ended up, like, betraying sort of one of the love interests in the book in a really kind of devastating way. So. It's not that he has to, like, ride off with Prince Charming into the sunset. It's just that, you know, for, there are ways of exploring his queerness and acknowledging it in a meaningful way that don't have to fit into that box. And I, I just feel like they didn't even try. Oh. And there's also, like, added context. Like, the social context and the way that a viewer is influenced in watching a queer storyline also adds interesting dynamics to play with, right? Like, we know that Loki always felt sort of rejected and excluded from the Asgardians, partially because he, you know, ended up finding out that, oh, he's actually a frost giant. But, I mean, was part of that also because, you know, he could practice witchcraft and he wasn't, you know, all manly man swinging a hammer at stuff. And was it tied to his queerness, right? There are interesting dynamics to explore there. And yeah, you know, and just nothing. Just this stupid passing line about princes and princesses. Wasted potential is what you're feeling there. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Of all the queer characters in the comics or whatever, in in the world of Marvel, Who would you most like to see
0: actually given a good, solid queer storyline? I think I would really like to see the young Avengers made into film or TV show or whatever. It's quite funny. That entire group, the entire group of characters is queer with. Sort of the exception of Kate Bishop, there's a really funny line in the comic where, you know, they're all talking about like, oh, yes, this is my experience with queerness, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, wait, am I the only straight one in this group? And then America Chavez looks at her and goes, I've seen how you look at me, princess. You're not that straight. And so, right, like it's a great dynamic there. You know, you've got like a kind of a little bit of a found family element, which I think is like always, always my favorite thing. And. Yeah, like it, like basically a queer group of superheroes. It's awesome and I would love to see a queer group of superheroes, you know, get to be more fully explored and obviously the a challenge that a lot of times will come up with comics is that, you know, you're there's a lot of action and you got to be fitting a lot into a relatively small space and conveying a lot via image and um text and you know, not a lot of exposition. So yeah, I think it would be really fun to see that trans translated into another format. And that's that's where uh, Hulkling and Wiccan come in. It's one of their one of their series. And again, like they play a really important role in in the one I read, which is basically that Wiccan is like, I want to be a good boyfriend. I'm going to bring my boyfriend's dead mom back from another universe. Um, um that's never (laughs) as sweet as anybody thinks it's gonna be a plus for effort i guess (laughs) um but so he accidentally brings a like interdimensional parasite who feeds on superheroes disguised as this guy's mom of course he does (laughs) so so but it ends up being like only young people can like recognize her and what she's doing and you know mm. adults and parents are all just like listen to your mom your mom knows best why are you being so difficult stop complaining your mom is trying so hard to help you and you know there's some really interesting subtext there as it relates to queerness right so mm. yeah i just think i think that would be a really interesting one so
1: young avengers is not something that's been made into any kind of show or movie at this point
0: not no so i think let's see it has a guy from x-men who i'm blinking on the name of i he might have been in something but i could be wrong mm, i don't know i have no I, I i'm not familiar enough with the x-men side of things but then yeah there's um the wiccan who we've talked about uh there's america chavez who we've talked about and then there's an interesting thing with loki where uh Somewhere along the line, and something I haven't read, he got turned into a young version of himself, and so he's there also. And then Kate Bishop, who is in Hawkeye, so there is some theorizing out there that they could be setting up for a Young Avengers something or other. Um, like since they've started bringing in these other characters, but I don't think anything about it has necessarily been confirmed or fleshed out. Are they all children of superheroes? No, they're a little bit all over the place. I actually haven't watched Hawkeye. I don't know what Kate Bishop's backstory is. Oh, wait, I forgot about another dude. How could I forget about this guy? There's a guy from space. I forget his name, but he's from space and he kind of annoys me. (laughs) So anyway, he, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, they're kind of brought from a lot of different elements of the Marvel universe, just like young characters from all these different places that are sort of brought together. Well, any closing thoughts, any more more sense that you would like to get in? So I did want to share a couple. A lot of what I read for this was in the uh, Marvel has been doing this kind of cool project over the last couple of years, the comics, where they release a collection basically centering authors of a particular marginalized identity. So there have been, you know, superheroes and creators, indigenous superheroes and creators, Asian American superheroes and creators, and queer superheroes and creators. And so it's, you know, Marvel Voices, Pride or something like that is the one that I read. And it collected some original work and also some segments of comics dating back to the... 90s, I want to say, 80s or 90s maybe. and also included some essays by queer creators working for Marvel. And there were a couple of really interesting ones in there from like the very, very early references to queerness. So one of them was North Star who was in Alpha Flight at the time, the Alpha Flight series, and which is like the Canadian superhero team, I guess. Again, not something that's gotten a ton of attention from the cinematic universe. But there is a segment in this in this book where North Star has adopted this baby girl who is dying of AIDS. And then this dude kind of bursts into the hospital, and they, like, have a big superhero fight. And it comes out that this man is upset at North Star and everybody for sort of fawning over this baby girl. You know, every like, the whole media is talking about her and stuff. And he's upset because his son died of AIDS, but his son was gay. And so everybody was like, all the gay people are dying from AIDS, whatever. And he's like, stop fawning over this baby girl because you think she's so innocent. Like, my son was innocent, too. Hmm. And... North Star's like, don't lecture me about how the media treats AIDS victims and gay people. I am also gay. And the guy's like, will screw you even more you could you could be changing people's perception of gay people and north star's like don't tell me how to deal with my own gayness and you know fight 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 right. defeats him and it's really emotionally moving and then at the very end of that there's a newspaper article that shows north star coming out publicly as being gay huh. and so i thought that was shockingly good representation and sort of acknowledging the nuance of public discourse around aids that I don't see straight people today necessarily understanding. Yeah. So I was really impressed with that one. Interesting on sort of a meta level that, that they would have that
1: message in there about, think of all the good you could be doing if you were open about this.
0: <sighs> <laughs> Food for thought. <laughs> Someone maybe uh, show that to the Disney execs. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the other one that I thought was really fascinating was again it had to do with AIDS it was about Hulk it was an incredible Hulk comic and it alternates between Hulk who's one of his friends is dying from AIDS and wants a blood transfusion from him because he thinks it might save his life and then his wife is working at like a call center and gets a call from this guy who just got diagnosed with HIV and is like thinking about committing suicide and so It's like really, really emotionally heavy. And it ends with, you know, Hulk's friend dies eventually because Hulk wasn't willing to give him the blood transfusion and risk him like becoming another Hulk, I guess. And then his wife has basically been picking up the phone all night long trying to save this guy. And the last time he calls, she's like, wait, where are you? And he's like, In a car on train tracks. And he says something like, I can't talk to anyone about this. I can't talk to my friends. I can't talk to my girlfriend. And she's like, Wait, you haven't told your girlfriend? And you need to tell me what's your girlfriend's name. And he's like, Oh, yeah, her name is wow, that's trains coming fast. And then it that's the end. It was like wow, horrible and like really intense. Yeah. But then at the end of that one, they normally would do like a section just like of people writing in and talking about the comics. And they replaced that section with people who worked at Marvel talking about their experience with the AIDS epidemic and like, you know, like their interaction with it and the people they lost. And that was a really fascinating one because there were some elements of it. Like there were some that were like genuinely like, okay that's really like that's, you know, powerful and moving. And then there was one dude who felt the need to start talking about like God says do good, and we as a an entertainment entity must choose the moral message that we promote to the public. And then and then they had a resource bar. This was interesting to me is that it basically said how to avoid AIDS, don't have sex, consider trying monogamy. I was like, this is okay. Uh, you're you're trying, and we know that this messaging doesn't work. And so it was just an interesting contrast to me. First of all, like with that Hulk comic and then also with the North Star comic, they were demonstrating kind of this interesting nuanced understanding of AIDS. And then there's this little blurb about consider monogamy. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there's a
1: lot of social awareness and desire to provide stories that will be comforting and educational and helpful to people, but they're not quite willing to go all in on the messaging, huh?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think in general, the comics have done better in a lot of ways. You know, we've already discussed how much more representation there is. But in part, that's because also the Marvel comics are such a extensive, long reaching thing that there are contradicting storylines and there are alternate universes and there's all of this chaos happening. And, you know, they're being written by different people and different artists are designing the characters and you know, they've gone through different periods of oversight. I mean, when they first started writing these comics, the Comic Authority or Comic Code Authority, something like that was in place that was basically regulating what what content you could include in comics. So, you know, there's just such an extensive breadth to draw on that, yeah, at some point, someone has probably construed this character with a queer identity. And at some point, Someone has probably also done a really crappy job with the character. So I did Mm -hmm. come across one book that I was really unimpressed with, which was Loki, Mistress of Mischief, which is basically Asgard has been destroyed. The cycle of Ragnarok has ended. The Asgardians have moved to Texas, I think. Texas or Oklahoma? That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And Loki has been brought back as a woman which could be interesting but instead it was like very misogynistic and transphobic in my opinion the way it came across to me because the entire thing was oh actually it's been Loki's plot to come back in a woman's body because that is the only way that anyone will trust him because he's been so terrible in the past but if he comes in the form of a woman then they will think he can be trusted because he's so very different and a woman. And then, you know, he eventually like becomes not a woman anymore and is like, ah, yes, my real form, my superior form, my true form. It's like, that's so not how anyone would interpret. Like, that's not how gender fluidity works. And it's it's very frustrating given, again, like Loki's sort of history of being a gender fluid entity that that's how they chose to approach it.
1: Yeah, the male is his real, actual form, and the old and trope the- of dressing up as a woman to get away with things.
0: Exactly, like it's very gross and terrible. And this volume was published in 2021. It's Fish. not no it's, better. <laughs> it's not like an old thing. Plus, a uh, side note: I really didn't like the art style. It was like injury. All the- all the women were like so hypersexualized looking, and then all the men were so unattractive. Their faces were just squares. A swing and a miss, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But so it's, it's it, like the comics are providing just this very, like, so much. And so, of course, when you have all of this different stuff going on, it makes sense that, you know, there's going to be more variation. But, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more variation in the movies would be nice, too. Because aside from the kind of crappy queer representation, like, they've all just started looking the same and become kind of homogenized. And it's not, like, what people, I think, want yeah. from Marvel, you know, as something that's characterized by such diversity and so many different art styles. You yeah. Know, I think it's important... <sighs> to be diversifying and keeping the kind of distinct energies of each, each franchise present. And I think that including more queerness would actually help with that by bringing in different ways of contextualizing stories and different paths that stories can go down. Like, in general, more diversity in the story arcs that you can bring to a character is always a good thing from both a social and a creative perspective. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: thanks for all the info. Kind of a Marvel rookie who's only seen, like, the big movies and stuff. So, some good information. And hopefully, they have to be sensing a restlessness in their audience that, like, okay, we need something different now. So,
0: I mean, I can't imagine they're not. Like, when's the last time they had something that was really properly Like, I don't think that there was a big deal about anything since probably Endgame. yeah. So maybe, maybe
1: when it becomes the best business move to mix things up and have more representation, um. that will be the change.
0: In the meantime, if you're looking for things that are doing genuinely interesting things, you know, there are lots of good queer shows all over the place, kind of encompassing a whole variety of genres and being a lot more receptive to diversifying. I think that that is perhaps what we should be rewarding with our money. Well said. All right. Thank you
1: for joining us, everybody. Next time, we are going to talk about what it's like being an LGBTQ plus student in college and what issues are facing the groups that are on college campuses trying to help and provide support. Um, I hope everybody is having a good back to school season. We'll catch
0: you next time. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, interesting, or just mildly amusing, please consider rating and reviewing us on your podcasting platform of choice. It really helps us to get the word out there and spread this information as far as we can.
1: And as always, check out our website at queerkidsstraightmom.com or visit us on Facebook, Queer kid Straight Mom. Instagram at QueerKid.StraightMom or Twitter at QueerKidSTR, the number eight. Mom.
0: And if you're feeling especially generous, please consider joining our Patreon by searching Queer Kids Straight Mom. It helps us fund this podcast.